0: welcome everybody this is the first episode of what is hopefully going to turn into a series of talks and conversations with people from the area of digital health and uh, these conversations are hosted by 6b and paul brown in particular so how you doing paul hello very good nice to see you dan how are you doing Good, good, good. Well, we've been having quite a few conversations about digital health, in particular about interoperability, and it seems to be a pretty hot topic. And I think you you gave a couple of talks at some events recently. And what's the sentiment around the topic, around interoperability and where digital health is heading?
1: Yes, yeah, so I think it, it is a really hot topic at the moment in digital health. I think particularly the NHS is putting a lot of focus on it. Department of Health and Social Care. There's been lots of different papers, policies updated, released over the last couple of years. In some ways, it's getting more and more confusing, I think, for digital health innovators to navigate. But all of that's making it more of a pressing topic, both for the NHS and for innovators selling into the NHS.
0: Right. Okay. And so let's just get this out of the way. Is interoperability, is that an optional thing for digital health innovators? Or is that something that everybody's going to have to accomplish when the time to comes? answer these
1: questions in simple ways. So there's different ways of looking at interoperability. So from the NHS's point of view now, most NHS buyers are following DTAC framework for assessing digital health products before they buy them. DTAC has five or six categories that it looks into, and one of those is interoperability. But it doesn't state that you have to have integrations into EHRs, for example, in order to be interoperable. What it does more mean is that you need to be shown to follow best practices when it comes to interoperability. So build your products with APIs and open APIs that are well documented and have good modern protocols in place. Um, That's the type of thing that they're looking for more and more right right
0: okay and so is there a way to tell like what stage are companies in when they realize that they're ready for integration or are there typical signals that say okay now you're ready and now you should make the leap
1: yeah so i think at any point in time or a digital health innovator will naturally want to integrate or they'll need to integrate because If they're selling into healthcare, if they're providing a a healthcare service or a service to healthcare providers, um, they don't own the health ecosystem and data ecosystem. That is very much within systems that are already in the NHS. So when a digital product achieves a level of maturity or establishment in a market, it's quite a natural step that it's going to have to integrate at some point in time in order for it to be relevant to, to the buyers that it's selling to. So I think you know that, that's an important consideration that it's quite inevitable that at some point in time it's going to happen. How, how do you know when you're at that point in time? I think it's because you're going to start seeing NHS contracts come into you where it is a requirement to, to, to be integrated with the systems that they have. So I think it's quite naturally led through the bidding and procurement process and, and those sort of pressures start becoming more and more relevant. But also just to offer a better service and better experience to your users, I think it starts to become more of a, more of a requirement as well. Yeah.
0: So Paul, you guys with 6 B have obviously had your fair share of interoperability projects and what are some of the challenges, the top three challenges, so to say that companies come to you with?
1: Yeah. So I think probably the most common challenge is just the, The confusion that digital health innovators naturally face when looking into interoperability for the first time so hopefully they're at a place where they understand what the requirements are we've got a genuine need to integrate but what path do we take to integrate what apis are we going to use what are the capabilities of those different apis so i think one big challenge is just navigating what can be quite a complex landscape I think another challenge is if you get through that and you figure out, right, okay, this is the route that we're going to take, it looks like this offers the capability that we need, then going through the process of liaising with the different vendors and third parties that you're going to have to speak to, I think we often come across cases where that can be a challenge, both getting information from the vendors, getting technical questions answered if the internal teams have questions getting access to documentation, testing environments, things like that, that can take more time than an innovator expects, which is why we also say to really plan, you know, forward plan integration projects, because there's a lot of things that take longer than what you typically expect in a development project. I see, got it. And do
0: companies typically come to you
1: during this planning
0: process or do they come to you when they get stuck and they realize that oh this is going to take a lot longer and a lot more effort and it's more complex than we realized
1: so probably the latter <laughs> but more, more okay. than the other, unfortunately I, I think teams quite a lot of the time that have a stab at it have a go you know obviously we've seen a couple of horror stories where we've seen internal teams that kind of go down the the wrong path for quite a long time, burn quite a lot of time, resource, money, all to find that actually the API the working with just doesn't have the capability to meet the requirement. Yeah. Not do you happen
0: to have one of these horror stories without mentioning any names, obviously, but, but can you just give us a feel of, of what the situation looks like when you head down the wrong path and you're going down the wrong path for quite a while? So what did that look like in real life?
1: Yeah, so without naming names, I suppose, you know, we spoke to one client who were four months into an application process um, with NHS Digital to access a couple of APIs to meet the requirements that they had for an integration. Finally got access, access to sandbox environments, access to technical documentation um, after a lot of chasing, not from NHS Digital, it was another third party vendor that they were Hmm. integrating with who were unusually quiet, finally got all this information in place and then found out actually that the route that we chose to take is not going to meet the requirements whatsoever. So they burnt through what was four or five months and the product needed to be released and built. You know, it was part of a much wider roadmap and they have just gone in the completely wrong direction. They'd not done enough of the kind of, you know, it and aiming and figuring out what no. path to take before shooting for it. Got it. Got it. And did they ever quantify the cost of this sort of missed path? Yeah, I mean, I mean, you're talking probably three quite senior people in the team working over quite a lot of hours. So, that, you know, it's not a conversation I had with them, but it you could sort of quite quickly add up. It, it'd be quite an expensive yeah. mistake. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. And here's something that doesn't often get talked about is how does interoperability affect the end user? Of these health services because we tend to be very fixated on the organizations because the integration happens between organizations obviously but at the end of the day it's going to be regular folks british people who are going to be taking advantage of these services or it's going to yeah. impact them directly or indirectly so what does that look like
1: yeah absolutely and that you know that's why 6b loves healthcare. we love the fact that the work that we're doing has this tangible positive impact on people and that's very relevant when it comes to interoperability because you know ultimately we're talking about joining up systems. The more systems that can be joined up, the more companies that can collaborate in this way, the better patient experiences that clinicians can deliver, that these digital health products can deliver. We, we get better patient outcomes because clinicians can make better decisions. They've got a 360-degree view of mm-hmm. a patient and that patient's data all of a sudden So it leads to less risk, safer outcomes, more joined up care and easier transfer of care. So so all of this stuff means that, you know, for a patient with a condition, they're going to get to see the right person faster and get to the right, better outcome quicker. So Mm -hmm. it really does have a huge impact. And all of that as well just reduces the strain on the NHS, which, as we know at the moment, is of critical importance to citizens and the nhs
0: yeah yeah so would you say that interoperability or the lack thereof is sort of a bottleneck right now in the health system
1: yeah i I think so and it's you know it's nothing new people have been talking about this problem for more than 10 years and there's been huge strides and work done to work towards it and to improve it so It's nothing new, but I think it's kind of exacerbated at the moment because, you know, we've got more EHR, electronic health records systems in place than ever before. And they're handling more data than ever before. There's more digital systems. You know, you you look at a typical NHS trust, they've they've got 200 plus IT systems. And all, all of these systems need to talk to each other. They're handling a lot of data. So, you know, then you add on the pressures of, coming out of the pandemic and the resourcing issues that we've got in the NHS at the moment, it is a bit right. of a pressure booker. And I do think interoperability is, you know, one of probably many things that 6B doesn't have visibility of, but, but we see this area as a real constraint to, to some of the problems that we're facing.
0: Right. Okay. And maybe this is a tough question, or maybe this is a question that cannot even be answered, but achieving interoperability seems to be such win-win-win for all sides and it seems to be so beneficial and yes it does have its costs and its difficulties but why isn't this process so why aren't companies catching on faster why isn't this whole thing moving down faster because you know it seems like once you get rid of this bottleneck the the overall system would just be so much more efficient and better for both those working in healthcare and those who are receiving care so so why isn't there more effort, more attention, and just more money and more resources behind Interop?
1: Yeah, it's such a good question. I mean, you know, it's definitely um, on the NHS agenda, it's, you know, on the local authority agenda now with the formation of integrated care systems. The big goal for most integrated care systems is to manage a population's health better and to understand it better. And that's basically, you know, we need to achieve good interoperability to be able to do that. So the the desires there, it's obviously a big, big area to focus on. I think the reason why it's not happening quick and we're still talking about it, because when I talk about interoperability, I kind of talk about the fact that we shouldn't really be talking about it anymore. It's a bit ridiculous that we're even having a conversation. It it should just be a given. And I think that's where the NHS is trying to drive it to. But it is still a conversation. We're definitely not there. And I think there's a lot of reasons for that. I think one big one is just the risk that's associated with interoperability and the safety and security that wraps around it. Two systems talking to each other. It has to be absolutely seamless. If a patient's data is not available in system B because system A has some latency problem or that connection isn't quite, live or real time enough you know that could be the difference between life and death for a patient huh. it's got severe consequences so i think the stakes are really high and that makes it more challenging and then i think it is just the nuances of we've got lots of digital health products and that's growing at a fast rate we've had so much investment in digital health over the last two years there's more digital health products on the market than ever hundreds and hundreds thousands and thousands probably Connecting all of those products up is is challenging. And then we've got nuances at each site, nuances at different regions. So, you know, the, the same integration doesn't, to one trust, for example, might be completely different at another trust that's actually got very similar IT systems. So right. it's, it, it's just quite a complicated landscape, unfortunately. Yeah. Okay, from what you're saying, it sounds like, and
0: correct me if, if I'm wrong, but it sounds like that you see the nhs doing their part so it is actually the innovators on the marketplace who need to be sort of catching up and making this a priority would you agree to that or or no
1: yeah i do think so i think what quite happens often with digital health innovators or what's happened in the past is you know a lot of these companies come from it's a gp with an idea or, you know, someone who's got an innovative idea, joined with a technical co-founder and they're, they're bootstrapping an idea. And, you know, that's where most startups come from, where a lot of innovation comes from. And, you know, I think what's happened is that companies have grown in that way. They've developed an MVP, a minimum viable product, got it to market really quickly, not had interoperability at the forefront of that development. And, you know, maybe rightly so at the time, because they just needed to build something that's lean, get it to market quickly. And interoperability at the time for their NHS buyers might not have been as much of a clear priority as it is now because of DTAC. So I think, yeah, now NHS have put interoperability at the forefront through, you know, particular DTAC. But there's been lots of other things as well to really make a lot of noise about it. I think we'll see less of that because I think digital health innovators now are starting to think, well, yes, we need to prove that our product is clinically safe. Yes, we need to prove that it's technically secure. And yes, we need to prove it's interoperable now as well. So we better, you know, get to work to find out what that means and build it into our product.
0: Yeah, makes sense. Okay. And do you see larger, more established companies, companies who are not first-time innovators, do they get on the integration path easier? And are they more open? And
1: do they prioritize interoperability more? Yes, yes and no, I suppose, you know, we, we uh, see a bit of birth. Um I think, you know, there's some really good examples of digital health innovators, large and small, that have really baked interoperability into the product from day one. And you can see it through the documentation, you can see it through the culture in the team. You can see it in the open nature of how the company talks about the products and Mm. the tech platform that they've built. And it is very much this building it as a platform first, to be API first, so it can integrate very easily. So, you know, it's kind of strange because in in the tech world that 6B is in, that's quite an obvious way to build a product and quite a common way to build a product now. And it's been that way for a long time. And I think the health companies that have that, that really prioritize tech and best practices are in a good place now because it sets them up to be able to integrate with other systems in a much easier way than a company that didn't do that.
0: Right. Right. I got it. Right. So how does interoperability help digital health companies get a competitive advantage over their competitors who are selling into the NHS? Seems like an obvious one, but still, I think it needs to be talked about.
1: Yeah, I think, you know, like we mentioned, with things like DTAC now, it's one of the areas that NHS are going to be looking for. So I think by not having an interoperable product, you're limiting the market that you can sell into now more than ever. You know, it's not a hard and fast requirement, but it is something that needs to be considered now and it'll give you that competitive advantage. And then I think... It's inevitable that a digital health innovator at some point is going to need to integrate their products into the wider NHS ecosystem. As a product matures, it's very rare that that's not the case. So I think that serves, you know, having that in, in there from day one serves as a big advantage when you do get to that milestone. Right. Okay. And if you're a health tech
0: company, how do you figure out the integration route once you've decided to go ahead? and achieve interoperability?
1: Yeah, so call 6B um, and we can help. <laughs> but it's, it's, quite, it's just quite challenging, I think, because to, to kind of meet a requirement, there might be two or three ways to do it and they might look very similar on paper. And it's quite difficult to get technical answers around those different integration paths to determine which is the right one. So, you know, kind of, I'm very biased, but I do think working with a partner will help you to navigate that much quicker. But if that is an option, there is some really good resources online now. NHS Digital have got really good resources on their website. If you Google NHS Digital API platform gives you access to lots of different reading materials and help and access to the full NHS Digital API catalogue, which might be able to provide some answers. And then... Also recently, there's the NHS Digital Developer Forum, and that's an online community where you can go, ask questions, speak directly to technical people at NHS Digital. So if it's looking like the route to take is an NHS Digital one, there is actually quite a good support network online around that now.
0: Great. Right. So we're going to be sure to put these resources and more in the show notes because there are a couple more. That's great. Great help. OK. And again, a tough question. This might be kind of hard to grasp, but the way you see it, because obviously you talk to many people in this area, but what guarantees a higher success rate if you do the project internally or if you bring on an outside consultant
1: or a team? Yeah, I think it really depends on the Makeup of your team, obviously internally. If developing integrations, developing within healthcare and integration within healthcare, is something the team's experienced, then the likelihood of success is going to be much higher. I think without that experience, without the access to knowledge and resources um internally, I, I think from our experience, it does end up being a little bit of a struggle and it's probably gonna be more effective economically to outsource that piece of work.
0: But I wanna challenge that from the point of view of the IT leaders. So what if you know me, let's say I'm, I'm an IT leader and I would say, okay, this stuff can be learned and it can be figured out. There are lots of good resources. If we start working with an external partner, then we've got a bunch of other things to worry about, such as how they fit our workflow, how we can work together, Do you have any best practices? So how do you make sure that these soft things don't end up ruining the project, such as cooperation, collaboration, documentation, and probably a plethora of other items that can make or break a project, Yeah, even if the expertise is in place?
1: Yeah. No, that's good. So so do you mean framed as in if this company were to work with 6B, how do we reduce the risk? Yeah, 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 yeah. So. I guess, you know, the, the ethos of 6B ultimately is we just want to get you from A to B. So we're not necessarily interested in, you know, taking the whole project on and doing it in a black box away from your team and then handing it back over at the end. We're quite happy to work alongside an internal team, work in an augmented way. But overall, it's all about following best practices. So, you know, we follow agile development methodologies, we, we work following your methodologies as well, using your tool set in your languages. So wow. we've got okay. different developers that, that use different languages and, and we'll really try to embed into your team and your team's working practices as much as possible. So it really should feel like six B is just a, a natural bolt on our extension to the team that you've already got. Right. See you through this kind of, You know, what may may feel like a difficult journey, six-beard hook, to prove that it isn't quite as difficult as that and it, it feels easier. But that's the way we like to work. We just want to get you to the outcome. And we're not overly precious over what methodology we use to get there. It's got to be the right one for the team that's the least disruptive. Got it. Got it. Makes sense. So is it possible for digital
0: health tech companies to establish partnerships within the NHS without a partner? And if they choose to go with you, how do you help? Do you have a methodology, a certain process?
1: So is it possible to establish relationships? Yes, definitely. So sometimes, you know, you're not always integrated through the NHS or NHS Digital. You might be integrated directly with a vendor, with a EHR or EPR system. A lot of the EPR systems, particularly in secondary care, offer partner programs. So you can pay to become a partner with the vendor, and that'll give you access to technical support from the vendor, access to documentation, sandbox environments, and sometimes commercial support as well to help you with kind of marketing the product. So, you know, it's definitely different routes to partner, and you don't necessarily need to, to work with um a supplier like 6b to achieve that i think the benefits there of working with 6b versus that program you know is quite often we can offer the, the technical support or a similar level of technical support and access to you know the documentation and things that we need to achieve the integration without needing to pay the fee necessarily of that of that program and, and i suppose that's always there as an option so if if, if 6b are our customer needs to take that route we, we can always go to it but it's quite likely we might not need to do that and I, th- and I think quite a lot of the time because we've worked with these vendors before we can just help to speed up that process um, not every time but sometimes we just might know the right it's sometimes just knowing the right person to answer that particular question you know like one vendor might have several apis there might be one person that knows a particular integration path better than anyone else in that team and we know it's that person so we've dealt with them before so sometimes we can just kind of speed that process up a little bit got it great okay
0: everybody we're out and we'll see you in the next episode